You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard Podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Um, that, <laughs> if you didn't hear the talk, that would get you listening. Um, we, you know, we planted this church not because we thought it was a top-notch idea, but because we believed that the Lord had clearly said it and we we made a commitment before God and before each other that we would just be us that we're not trying to be something that we're not that we're not looking for success whatever that is we just want to be obedient and I made a vow before the Lord that these these um these talky things like this bit um, whatever you might call it um it's just going to be me being me and I just wanted to prepare you um, particularly some of you that might be new, today is just going to be me being me. Because what you can often do is you can get trapped in this thing where you you do what you think you want or what I think you need, which isn't always the thing that you do need. And so that combined with me being me is probably where we're going to land up today. And um, I've been doing this series called The Externally focused church but a few things have collided over the last few weeks where I feel like I need to do this talk and this is probably more about the church and I'm not trying to deviate from being an externally focused church but to be externally focused we need to be internally strong and I've always, I've really felt this week that I need to speak into something and I want to do it in the most measured way that I can But the drive of what I want to talk about today is this. Own your stuff and know what's the enemy. Own your stuff and know what's the enemy. You know, when we planted, we moved to this city and we didn't know anybody. Actually, that isn't entirely true. We did know a couple that moved here with us to help us and they moved here two weeks before us but we didn't really see them they were busy they were sorting jobs and houses and lives and we we were doing a similar thing but there was this two-week period after we moved here a little while in where stuff just happened and I just want to tell you some of those things that I would call stuff happening and um Someone drove their car into the back of Steph's car, and it was a it was a very long story, but basically it was the other guy's fault. He drove into Herb, and he, of course, admitted it, and there was witnesses to say so. But when it came to the insurance bit, for some reason that I still can't fully understand, they decided to contest it. And so it went to court, even though the guy is saying, I did it, and it's my fault, and it got very complicated and very messy, and it was a bit ridiculous, and the outcome of it was pretty brutal to be honest with you I ended up in court and blah 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 blah. anyway the rented place that we were staying in had a leak in the bedroom and it also had a significant leak from the shower that went through down into the the hall and the staircase and and all of that and it was pouring through the ceiling and then the kitchen had mold where I guess I know a number of you have mold at the minute but it was like mold mold you know what I mean it's like mold like everywhere mold and so we ended up like binning most of our kitchen stuff because it just it destroyed it and um, then our daughter's school place got quite complicated somehow for some reason and we were a bit naive maybe but we had no idea it could get so complicated so quickly and we ended up in discussion with the director of education for the northwest and having a solicitor involved um, and anyway that just got complicated for quite a while Uh, somehow I ended up in hospital being really quite unwell our youngest daughter had the worst chicken pox the doctor said he'd ever seen. It was literally like, 
oh my goodness, is there anything on your skin other than chicken pox? Uh, Steph was heavily pregnant at the time with uh, now our youngest and, and all of our stuff, because we'd just moved up to plant and we didn't have a house or anything, was in storage in my mum's garage. And somehow she had this freak leak in the garage that she's had the garage since before I was born, never leaked once, leaked all over, over all of our stuff that was in storage and everything that we had from our eldest that we were going to use for our youngest got covered in mould and spores and that's not the kind of thing you want to give to your newborn. Anyway, we have two credit cards that I don't really use apart from for emergencies and then we have separate banks and one of the credit cards went overdrawn by five grand because of fraud, uh, which was like, oh, this is a nightmare to sort out because when somebody's stolen your identity and they're you and you're you but you can't prove you're you because they're you it just that was messy and hard work anyway the very next day the other credit card which is with a different bank went overdrawn by five grand because of fraud but it was totally separate and so all of our um direct debits and everything on our bank account was suddenly bouncing and crashing because we were now overdrawn by 10 grand even though we couldn't really afford to be overdrawn by five grand and that was pretty complicated and then I'd gone to play um, in, in the park with our daughter and this guy randomly just starts screaming and shouting and swearing at us both even though we'd never met him, never seen him or were nowhere near him prior to anything. It's not like we'd offended him. He just started doing it and then we were due to move house and Somehow and for some reason the mortgage just fell through. They decided not to give us a mortgage and it got very complicated and the people we were buying off suddenly got ridiculously confrontational with us. Anyway, I think you might get the point. I'm sorry it's a bit depressing, but I could tell you a lot more stories and a lot more things. All of that kind of happened in a two-week period, but you kind of get the idea, to be honest, that sometimes a lot can happen. And that might be an insight just into those two weeks, but I could tell you similar stories at many times over our lives and in the lives of some of you guys where I've seen that multiple times in multiple places. And, oh, did I mention at that moment in that time that we were seeking to be obedient to plant a church in Manchester, seeking to love Jesus and love this city, seeking to extend the kingdom of God, the reign and rule, of Jesus in our lives and seeking to hand that on and see that multiplied and magnified in the lives of others around you. And maybe sometimes there can be a bit of resistance and a bit of opposition to that. There can be an attack and there can be a counter-attack. And honestly, I try to be measured. I really do. I don't look for demons under every stone. I really don't. Steph and I were out for lunch this week and we sat on table six and our food was taking quite a while to come and I was getting hungry and I'm sorry to admit this I was like borderline getting a bit hangry about it and you know you all do it don't make out you don't anyway after 40 minutes or so I very politely very politely even though I was getting a bit hangry I, I just inquired to the waitress and as I did I've gone from where we were at table nine and I stood she was stood at the side of table six and I said um do you know what oh Table six, table nine, which table is this? I've read it as table nine. Actually, this is table six. I've ordered to the wrong table. The bit that I still don't fully understand is this other table where there's four of them and there was only two of us. Four of them have got a meal for two that they're eating that they didn't order. You would have thought somebody somewhere would have said, hold on, that's not our meal. Maybe there's a bit of confusion there. But anyway, was, was that the enemy? No. I just got table six and 
table nine the wrong way round. My point is I ordered food to the wrong table. That was my mistake. I got home and the kids are looking for the TV remote and they couldn't find it anywhere and they're getting a bit grumpy because they couldn't find it. And I didn't really have time or capacity to find it. Was that the enemy? No, we just left the remote control on the side somewhere and it fell down the back of the sofa and it just took us till the next day to find it. Sometimes stuff just happens. Sometimes it's just life and it's just circumstances equally sometimes we do stuff and we make bad choices and that has an impact we do silly things and those choices have consequences and sometimes we're in danger where we start to say well that's the enemy I don't think that's the enemy I think that's just our bad choices and they have consequences and sometimes also stuff just happens that's just life sometimes actually life is hard and I'm trying to be measured and I'm trying to be balanced but equally, I just want to briefly speak into this. Let me read this to you in um, 1 Peter 5, 8. It says this. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for somebody to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering that you are. I kind of want to say this, the devil doesn't take a day off and you need to realize that and you need to know it. We need to realize that we're trying to extend the kingdom rather than build a church but by doing so at times sometimes we're going to face and we do face individually and collectively a bit of resistance. All that long list of stuff I shared with you at the start, was that the enemy? Well, you could say it was circumstances because stuff does happen. But yeah, right. <laughs> I know that's not quite how I see it. A lot more seems to happen when we step out in obedience and step out to seek the kingdom extended. A lot more seems to happen to us on a Saturday night just before we come and be with you on a Sunday. Maybe to try and wobble us or to knock us off course. A lot more seems to happen to us to distract us and dilute our time and attention and our spiritual authority. And I would actually say exactly the same for you. A lot more seems to happen to us in the lead up to Cause to Live For. Thank you for praying for us. A lot more seems to happen to, to our kids and to Steph because I would say that would be my Achilles heel. That's the crunch point that's going to take me out. That's what I'm going to find hard around my time and capacity and resolve. I'm trying to be measured for those of you that need me to be measured, but I don't buy it that stuff just happens, if I'm honest with you. Stuff just happened, but so often, us seeing it through that lens waters down our understanding and our perspective. Yes, stuff does happen and we do need to be measured, but we also have to have a lens and an awareness to stay alert, watch out, for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. You know, I thought about sharing how a lion attacks and the fear that they can create and push onto their prey. And uh, the more I looked at it, the more fascinating, firstly, I found, but also the more reluctant I was to share it with you. Because I think the example of how he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking somebody to devour is a really good analogy but the detailed description of what they do and how they do it is gruesome. Lions, by nature, are formidable hunters. Over the 
course of a hunt, they work together, they communicate together, their strategy changes as it needs to change. They develop positions and roles as and where needed to hunt. And they're fast and they're fearsome and they use fear as a significant tactic in how they operate. And we're in this battle, we're in this fight, and yet so often we just amble about in civilian clothing rather than being suited and booted for war. And I just wanted afresh to bring us a reminder today of that battle that we're in. Ephesians 6 verse 12 says it like this. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And yet sometimes I think we forget to realise that, and we forget to see it through that lens. But the, the, the thing I wanted to say is it's happening. My question is, what are you doing about it? Because when we talk about being an externally focused church, what we're really doing is trying to send you into battle. We're heightening the stakes and we have to be battle ready. When we live obedient lives, submitted and submitting to Jesus, we stick this really big target on ourselves and we go on to and we go into battle. And sometimes we get picked off because we're not really alert to that. I'm, I'm trying to be measured but I want you to know that the enemy seeks to pick you off and to take you out. I'm sorry that's a bit intense and a bit full on if this is your first time here. But it is the reality. And I've seen a few things lately in our lives and the many of your lives that just makes me want to flag this again. You know, we went away the other week for a holiday and a rest and for some time of replenishment. And yeah, circumstances... Equally, sometimes a few silly things happen and you go, oh, probably not. And I, I phoned somebody up and they said, don't forget the enemy is trying to subdue you. He's trying to take you out and make you think it's not worth it. He tries to make you think that you just need to settle for less and dial it down. And isn't that exactly it? Isn't that exactly what he tries to do? Because you will find resistance in seeking to follow Jesus and to live obediently to him. Now, that might be physically, it might be relationally, it might be emotionally, it might be circumstantially. But I tell you now, somebody doesn't want you to be spiritually alive and well. So there's going to be some pushback and there's going to be some resistance to that that are going to try and prevent you feeding and fueling the very thing that God is trying to draw you into and draw you towards, which is Christ, his church, and his cause. Step into any of those three or all of those three more and there's going to be some pushback to it. And it's always going to be slightly closer to home. It's always going to be the thing that for you is really hard because if it didn't try and deter you or wobble you, it's not really worth it. Jesus faced similar opposition, I believe, as he set out on his public ministry. His own family became part of that opposition. After healing the sick and casting out many evil spirits, after stepping up and stepping out, Mark 3, 21, when his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. He's out of his mind, they said. Even Mary, even Mary who saw and interacted with the angel Gabriel 
who was told by the angel that she would give birth to a son who would be the most high, whose kingdom would reign and rule and have no end, came to Capernaum to take charge of Jesus. Even she in that moment sought to be part of, well, she didn't seek to be part of it, but became part of something that became a resistance to Jesus. When he was told that his mothers and brothers were out looking for him, he said this in Mark 3, 33, Jesus replied, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked around him and said, look, these are my mothers and brothers. Anyone who does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. I think Jesus must have suffered deep hurt and loneliness and isolation when those that loved him came up against him. But he didn't allow that hurt to impede him or restrict him from doing what ultimately was the father's will. I'm not trying to make a statement about ignoring your family. I'm not trying to say it's opposition when close friends speak into your life and they try and speak wisdom and challenge rather than just saying, hey, go with whatever you think is right or do whatever pleases you. But I think it's really important we don't see people speaking up or speaking in as resistance. I don't want to use that as an illustration to make that point. I'll crack on regardless. You know, this isn't a permission slip for bullish behavior or unaccountable living. But don't you find it really interesting that the enemy strikes that things that are really likely to unsettle us and deter us and cause us to be people that back off and back down? So it's going to be a problem with your house. It's going to be something that's going to distract you from the kingdom of God. It's going to be something significant that is going to chew up and chew into your time and resources. It's going to be a relational tension or anxiety. It's going to be something that is close to home and can have an effect on you. I could go on and on and on because it could be, it could be, it could be numerous and multiple things. When we um, moved into the house that we moved into now... We had no end of problems. It was like relentless. Was that the enemy? I don't, don't really know. But it did rob us of our time. And it did rob us of our capacity. When I end up with endless repetitive trips to the dentist because of my unending teeth problems, is, is that the enemy? I don't know. But it does rob me of my time and my capacity and my ability to sow into the kingdom. I'm not trying to say it is or it isn't because I want to be measured, but I want to tell you this, it does not and it cannot stop my kingdom resolve or focus. That's what this is about. Whatever it is, in one sense, I'm not always trying to have it on weighing scales, is it the enemy, is it not? Does it distract you from your kingdom resolve or focus because it cannot dilute us? That really is the route where the problem comes in is when it starts to knock us of course, it starts to dilute, it starts to dissuade, it causes us to doubt. We cannot get knocked off course. You know, my um, youngest daughter, she's four, she wakes me up most mornings. You honestly don't need an alarm clock with a young child. And um, actually, I'll tell you what is of the enemy. The clock's going back. It's like, who ever thought of that? It's like, so jo I am joking, but that literally does my head in. It doesn't help them and it doesn't help me. Extra hour in bed, yeah, right. Anyway, it's like months of punishment. But um, I am joking. I don't think that's the enemy. But um, anyway, she works me up virtually every morning and she says literally the same thing. She's like, come on, big guy. Because she calls me big guy. And she's like, come on, big guy, chop, chop. And I, I, I'm like, <laughs> ask Steph, this is genuinely true, not that I ever exaggerate, but anyway, um, 
I'm, I'm half asleep every day, every morning, and I'm like longing for that moment of lying, just like, give me one more minute, I'm coming. And I'm like, I'm coming, I'm coming. And she's like, you're not, because I can't see your feet moving, big guy. And um, I think it's brilliant. She says virtually the same thing, but you know, what we say needs to measure up with what we do, and it really does. I, I want to get your feet moving this morning. I want your faith to be active and alive, not just to be something you say, but to be something that you live out, for it to be a reality in your life. And I tell you this, I can pretty much guarantee that as you do, there's going to be some resistance to that. There'll be an attack and a counterattack. Pretty much every time we baptise somebody, chat with them, it's, it's an interesting week sometimes, afterwards, because he doesn't play nice and he doesn't play fair. He doesn't take a day off. Let me read it to you this way, 1 Peter 4.12. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. Sometimes we're surprised. Or sometimes we don't even realise it because we're not ready and prepared and equipped for opposition. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as though something strange was happening to you. That doesn't actually mean that all suffering as a result of your good living or your good Christian conduct. Peter says to distinguish between suffering for being a believer and suffering for doing the wrong thing. Was my table six, table nine, was that suffering from the enemy that prevented me having food? No, I just ordered to the wrong table. Was my suffering from not being able to find a TV remote the enemy? No, I just left it on the side and couldn't find it. We may think we're being picked on for our faith when it's obvious to everyone else around us that our own unpleasant behavior or actions or decisions are actually the problem. And sometimes I think it takes quite careful thought and wise counsel to determine the real cause and the real cause of some of our challenges. And I honestly, I want to encourage you to do that. Don't always assume hardship you face is as a result of attack. Sometimes we've got to weigh and understand that process alongside others. But we can be assured, however, that when we suffer because of our loyalty to Jesus and through a desire to extend the kingdom, and through a desire to have an outward-focused, outward-looking lens, that Jesus is with us regardless all the way. But we've got to own our stuff and then also know what is the enemy. Here's what I think is really interesting. When and where we don't own our stuff, I think the enemy seeks to use it as an entry point and actually gets a foothold in our lives. So sometimes what just becomes our stuff becomes a really big deal because then the enemy does start to use it. A habitual behavior, a bad repetitive behavior, a lifestyle, a character challenge can lead to an open door to the lion that is prowling around seeking to devour. Brokenness, bitterness, unforgiveness, unresolved hurt and pain. All of that kind of stuff leaves an open door and a wound that creates a wider open door for the enemy to walk into. You know, when we're, when we're, I say this generally, when we're younger, I think we get away with some stuff. You know, like, oh, they're just a child. And then, you know, like, they'll, they'll work it out. At some point, they'll, they'll grow up, they'll get it. And then around the uni age, 
I think you, you can still kind of get away with some stuff, but it, it's that ability to get away with it starts to lessen. People are trying to have grace for you, but probably starting to have less grace for you. Then if you don't deal with it, I think it starts to deal with you. And then what happens is those decisions that you make and the way that you live then starts to move into your next life stage. Your decisions and some of those that are bad decisions start to grow up with you and alongside you. And they become bigger and they become more obvious. And some of the pain that you have from your childhood home that maybe you got a pass for or you got away with walks into your adult home and starts to become a bigger challenge and a bigger problem and starts to spiral out of control. And I guess I want to say this. Own your stuff and deal with it, but know what is the enemy. Because our Western culture gets so resistant to dealing with some of this stuff. You know, somebody um, prayed with me the other week, just actually quite in passing. It wasn't like a Smith Wigglesworth prayer. It was just a like 20-second, I'm just praying for you in passing. And honestly, that was, I think it was about three weeks ago now. And uh, it lifted something off me that I didn't even realize was on me. I found quite a significant freedom from that moment and that interaction. And then this last Friday, I, um, Steph and I regularly meet up um, with some of the other church leaders in this city. And a couple of them were praying for me and they lifted something off me. It's, it's an odd thing to say, I know. But just through this little time of praying, I didn't even realize I was carrying something. But something lifted off me, and as a result, I was lighter and freer. And um, one of the other leaders asked for some prayer, and um, we prayed. This is a total aside to anything I'm saying. I just want to encourage you. We prayed for his, I think it's his sister, who was in hospital in that moment to hear some significant painful news around some test results where they'd had the preliminary and this was just a bit more detail we prayed for he 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 sent me a message on the way home and he's like i cannot quite believe it although of course we do believe in god and so we can believe it completely gone completely healed freed of all of it and it was cancerous and it was spreading you know when we place ourselves in those moments and those environments and times and spaces where we allow the spirit of god to move and we give him freedom he does something significant in our lives because he wants to move. He wants to heal us. He wants to restore us. He wants to encourage us. He wants to speak to us and all of that. But often we don't. Do you find that? We just don't because we get in a rhythm or routine of not. We, we, we just go, oh, it's all right. It's just, it's just life and it's just circumstances and it's the way I am and it's just the way it is. You know, I'm, I'm all right. I'm, I'm all right. I'm doing okay. It's not. We don't want to be those people because all a power and authority is given to us and we need to access it and we need to use it. And part of what I think the enemy does is he just seeks to dull that down and just reduce that and to limit that. And I, I kind of deliberately mentioned Smith Wigglesworth a minute ago. Why, why I said it wasn't one of those moments. So if, if you've not heard of him, I don't know if you ever read any of his stuff. It's absolutely mental. But he was an evangelist in the, the late 1800s. And I'm not saying this is right. And I'm not saying this is what we want to do or this is not the people we want to be. And if you're kind of thinking, oh, you're just saying that, Paul, you don't actually mean it. No, honestly, please don't start doing this. We'd have a nightmare. But um, sometimes I think you've got to lean beyond where you are to realize where you are and it can open your eyes to something else but his methods often involved hitting and slapping or punching the that's why i say don't do it because i don't think it's a good <laughs> idea but it he, he would slap or punch or hit the affected part of the body when praying for somebody for physical healing 
And on a number of occasions, his approach to somebody or people suffering with stomach complaints would be to punch them in the stomach. And um, sometimes with such force, read his, like the stories and tales that they tell, sometimes with such force that it would propel the person across the room. And when challenged on his response, he said this, I don't hit them, I hit the devil. Fascinating, isn't it? And responding to criticism over his methods of praying for the sick, he said this, you might think by the way I went about praying for the sick that I was sometimes unloving and rough, but old friends, you have no idea what I see behind the sickness and the one who is afflicting. I'm not dealing with the person, I'm dealing with the satanic forces that are blinding the afflicted. I found it fascinating to read those stories just for absolute clarity. <laughs> I'm not recommending we do that to each other. But I think we need to up our awareness. I think we've got to get our feet moving. We've got to realise sometimes we say we're moving, but our feet are not moving towards seeing the kingdom extended among us. And I don't want to settle for mediocre. Spiritual warfare is one of the inconvenient truths of the kingdom and kingdom living and kingdom ministry. Our enemy, the devil, would like nothing more than to make us relaxed and unfocused about it. And he'll use every means possible to distract, scare, dissuade, or otherwise take you out. Jesus and the Father are always at work. That's our focus. That's where we place our time and our energy. I want to see what Jesus is doing. I'm not focused on the enemy, but we have to know and we have to be aware that the enemy never takes a day off. Dear friends, don't be surprised. Ephesians 6.13, therefore, put on every piece of God's armour so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in times of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Verse 16, in addition to all of these, he then goes on to list a load of stuff. I encourage you to read it, things that I think protect us, but it says this, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. There are fiery arrows coming at you. You've got to know that and you've got to be aware of it. In mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis, I think I've mentioned this before because he so wonderfully says it. He says, of this world, he says, it's enemy-occupied territory. Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed. You might say landed in disguise and he's calling us to take part in this great campaign of sabotage. Own your stuff, but also know what is the enemy? And know that what of your stuff is actually giving the enemy a foothold in your life. You've got to get that off you because if you don't transform it, you're going to transmit it. It's going to be more in you and on you and it's going to be more in and on the people around you. Last week I talked a bit about um, being around good friends and having good intentions. The context where we deal with a lot of our stuff is the day-to-day discipleship and relationship alongside other people. It's being committed to the highs and lows with each other, being family, stepping into more that God has for us. Sometimes, honestly, you've just got to put your socks on, put your shoes on and go to work. Life can be hard. Sometimes there's no easy answer. Even that word that was shared this morning about being stretched, Stick your shoes on, go to work. Sometimes it is hard. People will see more of Jesus in you and through you as you relentlessly just step into finding his strength and power in your weakness. But I want to be honest, it's not always fun. 
and it's not always glorious, but Jesus didn't design us for isolation in ministry. I think some of the heartbreaking implications of the pandemic are that it creates this individual isolation standpoint. I can just access community online. Actually, I preferred it, if I'm honest, that way. That's kind of some of the language that you hear and the talk that we can lean into. Absolutely online has been phenomenal, and I'm grateful for it. It covers so many things. It allows us to get around illness. It allows for access when we have travel commitments. But, but we're a people. Surely we believe that, that we're a relational people, that the, the kingdom of God is different to the church, but the kingdom is also never absent from the church because the church is made up of the people of the kingdom. The way God chose to work to expand his kingdom was through the church, not through individuals, but through it collectively and corporately being unified as a body. And too many times I think we fall into the trap of thinking we can or we want to do this alone. But that's not the way he chose it to be done and that's not the way he modeled it. He gathered, he gathered a group of disciples around him and they ministered together and they were sent out together and they came back together. And whilst we have our own personal individual relationship with Jesus, the local church is the context for growth and development. And you're not meant to do this single-handed. And if you try, you will be impaired and you'll be vulnerable. You know, in the last few weeks in in this church, in this community, I would say I personally have seen, but also have personally experienced a number of times and seen a number of people freed and healed of significant things that I would say the enemy has sought to hold them back with, to restrict them and to deter them. And a couple of times in those last few weeks, as I mentioned, that's also been me. Sometimes it's obvious to them exactly what happened and what the Lord did. Sometimes I think it's quite hard to pinpoint exactly what happened and what he did. And sometimes I think they have more language for it as the weeks and months go on, as they look back in hindsight. But people get free when they place themselves in the place often and regularly to be freed in the hands of the one who frees us. The rightful king has landed, has landed and he's calling us to take part in a great campaign of sabotage and we've got to step into that and we've got to be equipped for that you know one of the best things i believe we can do is actually just to regularly open ourselves up to the holy spirit to practice his presence in our lives every time somebody turns to him afresh in repentance and faith and finding forgiveness and freedom seeking the eternal life that we only find in him the kingdom is extended the reign and rule of god is extended in our lives he breaks in and healing and deliverance is a curbing of the enemy's powers. Jesus said in John 12:31, the time for judgment, sorry, the time for judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. The process of casting out, of driving out. Sometimes we become uncomfortable or nervous about that language, but it still continues today. We're all meant to be involved in that ministry. I don't just respond to the Holy Spirit when I've got a weight of problems that I'm like, oh, now I need help. I'm going to have problems if I don't do it regularly and don't drink regularly from the fountain because I leak. And that's partly what he's trying to do is ensnare me and trap me. I often see people say, oh, only, only, only pray for me if I've got the big one. <laughs> By the time you've got the big one, it's probably you're in a difficult place. I'm like, man alive, pray for me. Please pray for me because I'm me is a good starting point. That's a big enough problem 
in itself because I, the Lord has got a whole load of work to, to lessen me, to get the me out of me so that he can get the him into me. Does that make sense? <laughs> I'm not trying to be rude to you, but I think you've got the same problem. You're you, and the Lord needs to change you more into him. And uh, the, the, the more we do that, more, the more we can reflect him because the lower we bow, the higher he can be lifted. We need times in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we need to regularly do it and not to become comfortable with it where it just becomes blase. I want to press us into it more and more and more and more. In fact, can we do that now? I kind of just want to do something to finish where I hope just to equip you to do this. The thing we do sometimes, I think we think is a Sunday thing. It's what they do at the front for those that have got a problem. That's, that's not what it is and that's not how it works. We're meant to be equipped to do this thing wherever we are, whatever we're doing. This works the same in the supermarket. You just get to minister the power and the presence of Jesus. So I've just asked a couple of people because I, I know them fairly well. So it's going to make it easier. But um, Rhiannon and Dave, I can't actually see you. But would you would you mind joining me? And just Pete and Abby as well, if that's okay. I just, I'm just going to do what you almost shouldn't do. So the thing that you do at the end where a few people respond to the Lord, I'm just going to try and model it. So those of you who are like, what is that thing? We'll just kind of do that thing so that you can see what it is. Now, in an ideal world, we wouldn't quite do it like this because we're exposing them. But that's why I've asked Rhiannon and Dave because I know them well enough that it's like, it's going to be all right. <laughs> and if it isn't, pretend it is. But um, so let's, let's just pre pre pretend you guys have come forward and you're obviously not facing everyone because now they're looking at you and that's obviously not what we want to do. But if you could just assume the position. Now... Why is there a position? You don't need to. I don't want to make a. I'm really in danger here of making a methodology. Please never have a methodology. Like, we want the spirit to break in. That's ultimately the environment we're trying to create. And if there's a methodology, this probably isn't it. But Jesus did do some interesting things bit of spit and mud and rubbed it in people's eyes. So I'm like, oh, there's, we can. We're not gone that far yet. But if, if you guys could just focus on Jesus, as hard as that is with everyone staring at you. Now, the, the, the thing we often say to people is, don't try and fill your head with, I've got to say my best prayer. Come on, Lord, do something. It's just relax, empty your mind, and let the Lord do what he's going to do. And then sometimes people join them, because I think that's also a really helpful thing to do. So Abby and Pete are just going to join them. Sometimes we put a hand on somebody. Um, normally we ask, because it's a bit weird to put a hand on somebody without asking. And if they're new, they'll be like, why are you putting a hand on me? Now, I think there's a number of reasons we might do that. We could say it's biblical, and I think it is. We could also say it's incredibly reassuring, which I think it is. I know when I'm being prayed for, I want to know that somebody loves me and is for me and is actually not just looking around the room or gone off to watch the football. They're with me. And I think I've been more open to the Lord doing stuff in my life when people have stood alongside me and prayed for me. So then that I think the other thing is then Pete and Abby not rushing in with, well, here's my counselling session. I've got 40 things I need to... Dave, you drove in way too fast into that car park. This is my moment to get you. That's, it's like we're trying to avoid all of that. So if you've got stuff that you think you're bringing to that person, don't bring that stuff to that person. All we're trying to do is just let the Lord do what he wants to do. So some of the best prayers is, Lord, what do you want to do? Sometimes I think we rush in with, oh, Dave, I've got to pray for you because... Everton aren't doing as well. It's like, I, I don't want to do any of that. I just want to pray. I just want the Lord to do what he wants to do. Now, I also think it's really helpful that the person being prayed for closes their eyes. Focus on the Lord. But it's really important I have my eyes open, I would say, because we want to see and look what the Spirit of God is doing. And often you can see it. I know it sounds a bit odd, but you may be able to see some stuff yourself. So 
I also think sometimes we can approach these things and we think we've got a list of stuff. Oh, I'm going to, what did I, what was I reading yesterday? I'm just going to download that as the big prayer over Dave now. Hold on, what was my big prayer? I don't, if I'm really honest, I haven't got anything right now. I'm hoping Pete's going to have something in a minute. But it also doesn't matter if I don't have anything because I'm just praying that the Lord would bless them. It's not me bringing a thing on Dave, it's the Lord. Now, I don't know if you can see for these guys, I would say that they're interacting and they're meeting with the Lord. It's a bit odd for them because you're all looking at them. But you can see something of the presence of God on them both. So, Lord, come. Thank you, Jesus. I also don't think this is a big daunting thing. If I'm honest, it is for them because you're all looking at them. But normally it's not. You don't have to have a big problem in life to bring it and reveal it. Sometimes actually the Lord does. So why do we ask sometimes that these people are in a small group? Because we want people to be accountable in a relationship with others in the life of this church. Why do we say that it's helpful to have a male praying for a male? Actually, when we encounter Jesus, I think you see this all through the Gospels. People just said stuff quite quickly as they encountered him. I'm blind, I'm deaf, help me, heal me. It just comes out. In these moments, stuff can just come out. And you're not always aware that it's coming. You just let it out because ultimately we're trying to turn from who we are and we're trying to become more like him. So stuff comes out. So I think it is appropriate. Sometimes if I'm praying, like I might be praying with Rianne and with Abby, also sometimes just get out of the way. You don't need me there. Like just sometimes move around, pray for others. But sometimes allowing it just to be a female and a female thing is a very helpful thing to do. Hopefully that explains why we often say that. But Lord, we welcome you on them. Now, you may have a load of things that you're thinking that now the Lord is stirring in your head because you've been praying for them for a little while. Sometimes just look and see what the Lord is doing. I'm not going to rush in with tissues to stop Rhiannon growing because she's meeting with Jesus. That's a good thing. If I give her tissues, I'm going to give her humanness and I'm going to give her human comfort. And we don't want to do that. Dave, you may have noticed sometimes, not because I, I was probably partly because I'm saying stuff, but just as I prayed with him before, sometimes I just see the joy of God come on Dave. I see the, the like, there's, a, there's like a smile that comes on him. When I'm like, oh, I just want to bless that. I don't need to conjure anything up. I'm just saying what I see in the natural. I see like a peace rest on him. I see a freedom, like it changes his breathing. Lord, would you just bless him? Because you bless him. Pete, I'm just going to put you on the spot. Do you sense anything? You don't have to. Don't make it up. We could do, but it won't work. <laughs> yeah, actually, as I was praying, I got real sense of um, just a picture of like a, a quiet mountain top, and I really sense it might be Jesus, um, just saying how when when he was surrounded by people with disciples, he went away for for just some isolation with the Father, and maybe just as Paul was speaking, I kind of get that feeling of just being find that space with just you and Jesus because there's there's strength and there's peace and there's joy to be had in that so that's why that's what I got yeah yeah yeah. and sometimes I think they, they, you can tell on the person if that's resonating I'd say there's probably an element where that resonates for Dave sometimes actually without interrupting what I think the spirit is doing you can just say how's it going what do you think the Lord's doing and you can pray into that I I, I have a sense um Dave that the the, the this, I haven't pre-thought this. I think that's helpful to know. Like I don't have a book of stuff that you, oh, quick, I'm going to bring this one because I need to say something. If you don't have anything, you don't have anything. But I, I feel like the Lord is calling you into your place, Dave. 
he's raising you up and calling you into to the to to take um like the um the armory it's like to take some battle tools and actually start engaging in the fight in a way um greater than you have been or are doing and i think that will start to make sense to you in the weeks ahead now if if i was just praying with dave i'd offer that gently i, don't, I might be totally wrong that might have just been a thought come into my head but often you get thoughts come into your head that the lord would want you to share and the only way you know is if you share them they can go yeah well, that kind of resonates or it doesn't if it does i might just pray into that more I think the, the, the single most important thing we can do in these moments is leave people knowing that Jesus loves them. And I think sometimes we forget that because we bring our fingers. As when we finish with these guys, we're just going to pray that over them, the affirmation of God, the love of God. Would they know it more? You know, and then, like, um, I think it becomes obvious when people are slightly disengaging or moving on, but leaving them in a place where they then know what to do. You can feel a bit exposed or a bit vulnerable. Might, it can be handy to give them a tissue or it can be handy to say, are you, in, are you in a small group? Are you in a place where you've got somebody to regularly chat some of this through, this stuff through with because it can stir stuff up? But ultimately, I also don't think this is like this big freaky thing that we should not engage with. I sometimes have ended up in these kind of moments, sat in the car with somebody, walking down the street with somebody, in the supermarket with somebody where you just see someone in the garden and say, can I just say, can I, could I, would you mind if I pray with you? Um, I am very busy <laughs> and have been very busy. Um, so what Pete said about um, spending time alone with, um, with Jesus, that's something that hasn't happened a lot recently. So um, yeah, that really resonated with me. And um, yeah, um, so thank you. And thank you, Jesus. And are we still on live stream? Yeah, okay. Um, I can share half of that next bit then. <laughs> it's not super personal, it's just... Um, complicated with my work so um yeah there's just a lot of things that uh that i've been waiting for um throughout the entire pandemic to sort of um to happen and um as sort of what paul shared there um i am starting to see some of that come into fruition and it's things have started to shift in in my workplace but also in other things that i've been um trying to get involved in and uh only this week i've been doing some training for part of that so that sort of word of things are moving forward and and it's time to sort of enter in that's um that, that both of, so both of the words really resonated with what i think jesus is saying and um yeah so that was really helpful yeah, equally it's okay when it's not i never really feel any pressure I've, I've never healed anybody but i have seen jesus heal a lot of people emotionally physically and spiritually and so if dave was like oh, i didn't really have, i don't go away wounded i just try again because i'm still learning to hear I'm still learning to respond to his voice. We hear in part, we prophesy in part. So that is encouraging. And um, I'm, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad the Lord is doing something. Why, why, don't we, um, why don't we stand up? Why don't we all get to do this? Is that all right? Steph, do you want to join me? Thanks for listening. To find out more, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description.